0: We're going to continue our our series that we began last week. We began a a new series entitled, How to Deliver a Nation. And that's exactly what God used Moses to do. He became a dynamic deliverer. God took a man who had failed, who was on the backside of the desert living a boring life. He he took a man that, that certainly wasn't perfect, that had made mistakes, And yet, God worked through his life and used him for his glory. And so we're looking at what God did in Moses' life, and how that God wants to work those things in our lives too. And so I I, I want you to join me today, and and, uh, as we uh, turn to this passage of Scripture, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 4 again, verse 18 through 31. And as we begin today, I'm going to ask you to to join me in, in an opening prayer, because Um, I got a phone call right before church and uh, they were rushing my mother to the hospital thinking that she has a heart has is having a heart attack and so I'm I'm distracted today but I know my mother's heart and she would want me to preach God's word so join me if you would in a in a quick prayer Lord we just thank you for this day we thank you for your word And Lord, we just lift up my mother to You. Lord, we pray that You would bring strength and healing and wholeness and health to her body. Lord, whatever's taking place, Lord, You're greater than a heart attack. Lord, we speak life to her. And Lord, we just ask that You guide the doctors and the nurses. Lord, enable them to do everything they need to do and to do it just right. But Lord, we know that You are our healer. And I pray for a divine touch from heaven for her body And I ask it in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Amen. Let's look at verse 18. How many of you want to be a dynamic deliverer? How many believe? About four of us. We might be here a long time. How many realize that our nation needs dynamic deliverers? Our nation needs deliverance because the enemy is trying to strangle our nation. He's trying to take hold of it. He's trying to lead us away from God and and, and hinder our nation from knowing God and knowing the blessings of God. So God's calling each and every one of us, just like He called Moses, He is calling each and every one of us to be a dynamic deliverer. So let's look at this great passage today verse 18. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law. Now Moses has just had an awesome encounter with God. The burning bush encounter. God has spoken to him. God has told him of his plans for his life. God has spoken to him his name. He is the great I Am. He he brings that revelation to Moses and, and so his people would understand. And now Moses is coming back to his father-in-law, Jethro. He says, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons And set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now that's a very strange and disturbing verse, and we'll come back to that. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let me go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Verse 27, And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed, and when they had heard, heard that, The Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that He had looked on their affliction. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Church, that's our goal. Amen? To tell people there's freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen? And God wants you to be a part of His family. And we want to see people come ready to worship the Lord. Coming into that relationship with Him church that is the only answer that is what our that our our nation needs they need a church to rise up and say freedom amen there's freedom in Jesus Christ God has given us freedom we live in that freedom I don't know about you but I love freedom <laughs> freedom from sin freedom from the things that want to hold us back Freedom from substance, freedom from anger, freedom from resentment, freedom from unforgiveness, freedom from bitterness, you name it, and anything that the enemy wants to put on us, to hinder us, God will set us free. Now in this passage of Scripture, there's a natural outline through this, this portion from verse 18 to 31. And I just want to go through the natural outline because there's some powerful truths contained in In this Scripture. In verse 18, it begins, So Moses went and returned to Jethro his father-in-law and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. I want you to think about this because Moses has just had an awesome encounter with God. He has seen the the presence of God, the fire of God in the burning bush. God has spoken to him directly. God has given him direction. God has assured him that that God's going to be with him and that he can do everything that God's called him to do. But look how he approaches Jethro. He doesn't run into Jethro and say, Hey, I've got to go. God's got a call on my life. See ya. And if anybody had that possibility to have that attitude, it would have been Moses. He had just had an awesome encounter with God, forever changing his life, setting his destiny to go forward. He was going to be a dynamic deliverer. And yet, he respects his elders, those that were above him, those that had authority over him. He respects Jethro, and he, he comes and he shares, hey, God has done this in my life, and I want to go, but I'm asking your permission. I've seen this happen in many youth pastors. Not Nick, I'm not talking about Nick. But I've seen it with associates and youth pastors when they come in and and they're new in ministry and the fire of God's burning in their heart and they can't wait to get ready and go, go, go. And yet many times they they don't have the respect for who God has placed over them. Years ago I was in a situation where I I was uh, un- underneath a pastor and, it, and I was fairly young myself. I was working with the youth and kind of an associate and doing different things. And And people would come to me because this pastor, even though he was a great pastor, he loved the Word of God, he loved the people, he came from a, a kind of a, a background that was very um, black and white and, and very uh, stern. And so sometimes he would rub people the wrong way. Sometimes he would... He would speak things that, that weren't loving and kind. It was more just an authoritarian and you need to get your act right. <laughs> and people would come and they, their feelings would be hurt. And they, they'd say, you know, Milt, he, he said this, he did this. And I made sure that I never said anything about him that was negative. I encouraged them to do what was biblical. I said, you just need to go sit down and talk with Pastor. I know his heart, he loves you, he loves God, he he loves the people, and, and you just need to go sit down and talk to him. And church, if God is going to use us, we have to have that understanding just like Moses did. He understood Jethro was still over him. That he needed to approach him and explain what God was doing in his life, but he needed to respect him and say, will you please Give me your blessing that I can go do what God's called me to do. There's another side to that as well in that Jethro gives him his blessing. It was going to cost Jethro something. It was going to cost him his right-hand man who was helping him as a shepherd. But yet he recognized the call of God on his life, and so he blesses him as he leads. I'm thankful that in my life, when I came to, to my mom and dad, I joke about it all the time, their first impression, you know, I've said it, said it a million times, but my mom's first impression was, oh, son, you don't have the personality to be a pastor. That, that was her, her first reaction. And she was right. God, just like Moses, God needed to do a lot in my life. But when she saw what God was doing and she realized that the call of God was there, she supported me 100%. And when I came to her and I said, God's calling us to Alaska, she didn't say, I don't think so. She she was supportive and said, wherever God takes you, I'm for it. I know God's got a call on your life. And she wasn't going to enjoy the, having all of her grandchildren grow up around her because we were going 4,000 miles away. But at the same time, she recognized
1: God had a
0: plan and she could trust Him. So church, I want you to understand that we, we come to that place where we acknowledge the authority that God has over us. And, the, and as uh, those that do have authority over our children or or whatever position. We recognize God's got a plan. Amen. I was in the same place just a few months ago when Misha came to me and, and she said, Dad, God's calling us. There's an opening at the church in Hawaii and, and God's calling, calling me and the kids there. And, and, and my first reaction was in the flash. I'll be honest with you. I said, I don't think so. You need me. You need your mom. You've got three kids. You're a single mom. You need help. You need Mitch and Jasper and and, and Josh and Michelle. You need all the family around you to help. But then God dealt with me. And I said, God, you have a plan for her life and for those kids. And even though I would love to have them here with me, Lord, I want your will. Amen? Sometimes it's difficult to do that. Sometimes it's hard for us to release our family. Release those that are underneath us. Nick came to me just a while back and he said, I feel like God's calling me in a different direction. And that was difficult because Nick's been here so long. He's part of my family. He's like another son to me. But at the same time, I have to release him and trust God's got a plan and I know that God does. Amen? Amen? Let's go on. Look at, look at verses 20-26. through 26. This is another natural section of this passage. Moses is starting out with his wife and his sons. And he has a strange encounter with God that's troubling to us if we, if we don't see the context and see what God's saying. In verse 24 it says, And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And if you just read that, and you think, what? What are you you talking about, God? You just had an encounter with Him. He has experienced the fire of God. You shared your name with, with Him, and He's supposed to go tell your people that you are the great I Am. And now you encounter Him and you're wanting to kill Him? But church, we need to look at the context, what's around it. What's going on in this passage? Moses has left with his his family. He is on the way to do what God's called him to do, but something isn't right in his family. Something isn't right in his home. And God is saying, before you go and begin to share the covenant life and the promise of God, you need to be a partaker of it yourself. He's saying, your son hasn't been circumcised. And that was the sign of the covenant with God. He was neglecting his own responsibility in his own family. And Zipporah, his wife, has a blowout. She blows up. She's mad. Now we're not told in the the text why that took place. We don't know if Moses failed to explain to her the covenant of God or if she was rebellious against the the covenant of God. We don't know, and and we're just speculating. But what we do know is that Moses was not leading his family in the covenant promise of God, in the relationship with God, and before God could use him to do that, he had to get his house straight. I've seen it so many times when, when people Oh, they get excited because God's given them a revelation. God's going to do this through my life. And they get ready, and they want to just jump into ministry. They want to go out there and and share Jesus with the world. And that's wonderful. But church, don't forget, it begins with your family. It begins with your sons and your daughters. What good does it do us if we go win the whole world and our own children don't have a relationship with Jesus? So God was saying, you can't go and minister my life and the covenant promises that I want you to to minister until you are a partaker of them yourself. Until you've gotten your house in order. Church, that, that's so important. Before we can go and minister to the world and say, Jesus wants to set you free, we have to experience His presence, His power, His glory in our lives, in our families. Our families are part of the picture. Amen? Amen? Look on down to verse 27 and 28. This records Moses' restoration with his brother Aaron. Church, there's another principle there that we need to have restoration with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It had been 40 years. And in this passage, we're not told a lot about how Aaron arrived there. Aaron was at the mount of God. God told him to go, but how did he, he navigate the desert? How did he end up on the backside of the desert at the mountain of God? It was a miracle. However, you look at it, God intervened. There was a miracle taking place, and God brought Aaron to, to join Moses. I love that. And it says they 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 met with a with a kiss. That was the culture in that day. We see it still in some European countries. They'll, they'll, you know, put out their cheek and, you know, it was a greeting, but there was emotion there. They hadn't seen each other in 40 years. But, church, it was more than that. In verse 14, it says, And look, he is also coming out to meet you. He's talking to Moses. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. God was preparing Moses for this restoration with his brother. But it's more than just two brothers meeting. What I want us to see there, church, it was more than two lives just coming together. It was God bringing people together to minister deliverance, to bring freedom, to work together. Church, we need to have unity in the body of Christ. If we're going to deliver a nation, church, we have to love those that may not look at every Scripture just like us. It got awful quiet. I put something on Facebook this week that was kind of funny. You know that picture of Bernie, you know, sitting in the chair with his big mitten, colorful mittens on The caption over, there was two of them right together. And one one said, you know, this is what a Pentecostal looks like when he doesn't like the sermon you're preaching. (laughs) And right beside it was another picture of Bernie. Same picture. And it said, and this is a Baptist when he does like your message. (laughs) It was so funny I had to put it up. But then I immediately had to make a disclaimer. I said, no offense to my Baptist family and friends because I've got a lot of them. But church, I love them. I know they preach the word. I know they love Jesus. I know they, they, they want to see people saved and healed and delivered. And, and so we may not see every little doctrinal thing the same. But the foundational truths are the same. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the only way the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by Him. We are all cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. We know that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. That all of us need a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And church, we've got to get past those little doctrinal things. Yes, we can discuss them. But we have to love one another. Recognize God's bringing us together if we, we have a destiny in Him. And that destiny is to turn this nation back to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're Methodist. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist. It doesn't matter if you're non-denominational. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic. It doesn't matter what denominational background. If you are born again and you have a relationship with Jesus, you're on the same team. Amen? God was going to bring them together and together they were going to do great and wonderful things to see people set free. There's a verse that Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 24, and I just want us to note that, because they were asking Jesus what it's going to be like, what are the signs of your coming? That's what they asked, the disciples did. And Jesus goes through a lot of details. He talks about wars and rumors of wars and various other things. But verse 20 or 10 in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says something that's very powerful. He said, and then many will be offended. Will betray one another. And will hate one another. And when we read that, we think, oh yeah, it's talking about non-believers hating us because we're believers. But in the original language, it doesn't distinguish that at all. In the original language, you can read it both ways you can read it as believers being offended and betraying one another and hating one another. And church, we need to make sure in these last days, church, I want to tell you, sometime if you're here long enough, I will probably offend you. Why? Because I'm human. Because I'm not perfect. It doesn't mean I don't love you and it doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. It means I'm still human and God's working on me. And guess what? You offend people too. Because we're human. But church, we've got to recognize that the enemy wants to come in and break us apart and separate us and hinder us, that he wants to do whatever he can to make sure there's not unity in the body of Christ. And so we've got to fight for it. Amen? We've got to pray, Lord, give us unity and come alongside one another and say there's a bigger picture here than arguing over a certain verse and how it's interpreted. There is a bigger picture that our nation needs Jesus. Our nation needs a move of God. Our nation needs deliverance. And unless the church works together, unless we work together, And I want want to go ahead and and ask you right now, forgive me for offending you. Because I'm sure sometime as I preach, I'm going to step on your toes. Or I'm going to say something or do something. and, And it may offend you. But church, know that it's never my heart to do that. My heart loves you. I love our church, and I want to work with you and partner with you. And that's what all these banners are about. They're about all of our ministries and coming together. And all of these areas of ministry, they need you to come alongside them. They need you to be an errand to Moses and say, hey, I want to come alongside you. Notice Moses was saying, I'm slow of speech. I stutter. I'm not eloquent. And God says, well, you've got a brother named Aaron, and he's pretty good at it, so I'm going to bring him out to help you. Amen? God brings people alongside us that will help us in the areas where we're weak. And I say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Amen? That's why why God gave me Melinda. Because all the areas I'm weak in, she's strong in. And I need her to help me be a dynamic deliverer for Jesus. <laughs> Let's go on. Look at verses 29-31. through 31. Then Moses and Aaron came to the elders of Israel, a group of slaves. Did you get that? They were a group of slaves. Even the oldest among Israel had never experienced freedom. They had never seen freedom. The only thing they had had experienced in their life their entire life was living under oppression and living in bondage. And yet Moses and Aaron were to go and they were to take the message of freedom. That God's going to set you free. And I want us to notice that God didn't tell... Moses, you know, Moses said, well, I can't do this. You know, it's not me. I don't have what it takes. Pastor Todd was talking about that. But what did God say? He said, what's in your hand? Moses, well, this rod. God said, throw it on the ground. It turns into a serpent. Moses flees. Then then God says, reach down at the tail, pick it up. Turns back into a rod. What was God telling Moses? This is important, church. He was telling him, not only are you going to go and be an oracle for the Word of God, but you're going in the power of God. Amen? God has not called us, church, just to go in the Word of God. He has called us to go in the demonstration of His Holy Spirit's power. Amen? You're never alone. You're not going to share the love of Jesus and share that God wants to set people free in your own ability. God says, you are my dynamic deliverer. My presence is there. I'm accompanying you, and you're going in the power of God. Amen? Too many tr- times we try to do it on our own. We can't. I'm reminded of some verses in the New Testament that speak of this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5 it says for our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power and in the holy spirit 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 20 for the kingdom of god is not in word but in power Church, I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter who you are, what denominational background you are, you can't get it done just speaking God's Word. You need His power behind it. Amen? If we're going to see a nation delivered, it's not going to be just proclaiming, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's God's power in our lives, evident in our lives, and we know that we're not alone, that we're going forth in His power and God's going to minister His power through our lives. Does anybody like that? <laughs> in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, again, it says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe Me or listen to My voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod, and he, and he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said, Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe, did you hear that? That they may believe that the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. In the New Testament, God's Word tells us that signs shall accompany the church. Do you believe that? Do you walk in that? Are you expecting God's miraculous power? Do you pray for people and expect God to heal them? Do you pray for restorations in families and believe God's going to restore that family? Do you pray for someone that's a slave, that's been a slave to bondage all their life and still believe that God's going to set them free from it? Yes, amen, He does that. We need to remember that these were generations of people trapped in oppression, trapped in slavery. It's not a group of people that had once known freedom, had any idea what freedom was like. Generation after generation, and we encounter people like that. There are people in our country, in our government today, that are generational oppressed or slaves to sin. You meet them all the time and they say, well, that's just the way life is. Well, I grew up in a home where dad beat my mom and he beat me and that's just the way life is. Or I grew up in a home where everyone drank and everyone looked to drugs because they were just trying to escape and, and that life is hard and life is difficult and so... That's just the way life is. You just need an escape every now and then. We're dealing with people, church, many times that have never tasted genuine freedom. They don't know that life can be any different. And it's our responsibility, God's calling us to be dynamic deliverers. To go and to tell people, I want you to know what Jesus did in my life. There was a time when I made that decision where I opened my heart to him and I said, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart and life and transform me. I don't want to live in the oppression or the slavery of sin any longer. I want you to come in and set me free. And guess what? When I prayed that sincerely, God came into my life and he set me free. Amen. I don't live in that abuse. I don't live with that anger. I don't live with that unforgiveness. I don't live with drugs and alcohol. I live in the presence and the power and the glory of the Creator. Amen. God wants to use us. So many times we think, well, it's just about Jesus wanting to save me. And He does. Turn to somebody by you and tell them, Jesus wants to save us. Amen? Listen, church. There should be no doubt about that. Whosoever will, the Bible says. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God wants to save us, but He doesn't stop there. What does He do? He he, he saves us. He transforms us. Just like Moses, God prepares him to what? Not only receive that relationship with Him, experience the, the presence of God, the glory of God, but to then go and be a dynamic deliverer. Jesus said it this way when He commissioned the church in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world. Did you hear that? Go into all the world. I believe that the church should be, and I said this recently, I'm going to continue to say it, the church should be involved in every area of influence in our world. Because God tells us to go to all the world. And some people don't like that. Some people say, well, politics is messy and yucky and and I don't want to be in that. God still calls people to be in politics. And to be the light. Because church, we need the light of Jesus Christ bringing the deliverance to our political scene. Amen? It doesn't matter what side you're on. If you're independent, Republican, Democrat, they all need Jesus. Amen? Look at Mark's. 16:15 uh, again. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. So not only is He telling us as a church to go and to speak the good news, now He's saying, my power is going to be evident in your life. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There's going to be divine protection. There's going to be divine power to minister. We're going to go forth as dynamic deliverers, not with word only, but in the power of God. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse 6, it says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God's heart was to save Israel that Israel would be priest. And it's interesting, the, uh, the Latin word for priest literally means bridge builder. It means you're Making a way for those that, don't, that aren't in this group, aren't on this side, to come and to be a part. Amen? And in the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you, he's talking to Christians, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. God's Word says we are that nation of priests. It goes on and it says a holy nation. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to call people out of the darkness, call them out of the darkness into the same marvelous light of Jesus Christ that we're experiencing. In verse 31, Back in our text, it says, so the people believed. Did you hear that? The people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that He had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. They came into the family of God. They became worshippers. That is, is our goal, church. We want people to see who Jesus really is. It's not about a historical figure. It's not about a teacher or a prophet from the old. Yes, Jesus was those things. But He was the Son of the living God, the Christ, the Messiah. Are you with me? It's bringing them into the family where they become delivered and they too become dynamic deliverers. That's what God's called us to do. That's what he wants to do in our church. And I'm almost done just a couple more verses in Romans chapter 4 or 15 verse 4. This will kind of tie everything in. Cuz so many times people will come to me and say, "Well, that was an interesting Old Testament story, but how does that really apply to us?" I want to tell you. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says "...for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope." Amen? (laughs) He's saying that the Old Testament Scriptures were written for us. For us to learn how God wants to work. for, for, For us, that we will have hope That our nation isn't lost, but God can turn our nation around. Amen? That we have hope that we are dynamic deliverers. That we're going in with the Word of God, in the power of God, and we're going to see things begin to shift and change in a powerful way. 1 Corinthians says something very similar. Chapter 10, verse 11. Now all these things happen to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. They're written for us today. It's not just a history lesson, church. It's a lesson that tells us there is hope. It's a lesson that tells us we can have a move of God in our nation again. It's a message that tells us God can not only set me free, but use me as an agent of freedom in Jesus Christ. I don't want to be a church that just comes together and has a good time. I don't want to be a church that, that just comes in fellowships. I love fellowship and God calls us to do that. But I want to be a church filled with dynamic deliverers with people that are real with God, that if there's something we're struggling with, we bring it to Him. And we say, Lord, set me free. And Lord, let the freedom that You give me flow through my life and let me be an instrument of bringing Your freedom to others. That's our hope. And that's what God's called us to do. Some people struggle with that. Some people, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Some people just want to come and have a little tickle your ear message. Come on, you know it. Church, I want us to grow, I want us to mature. I want us to be a a church that's on fire, that has had a Moses encounter with God, that we understand who He is and what He's doing in our lives, that He's transforming us. I want to be a church filled with dynamic deliverers, that we go forth not only speaking the Word of God, but we speak it in the power of God, that we're living by faith, that when we hear someone sick, we're instantly ready to pray for them and believe God's going to touch them. When we see a, a someone who's struggling in their ma- in their marriage, we're ready to pray for them. When we see someone who's struggling with unforgiveness or resentment or anger, that we're right there saying, Jesus can set you free. Let me pray for you. I want to be part of a church on fire. Amen? I want to be a ch- on a church that's passionate, that's ready to, to be a dynamic deliverer. Because our world, our country, our state, our city needs freedom in Jesus. Will you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask our prayer team if they would come to the front and around the back of the auditorium. And as the worship team begins to play, church, I want you to think about the word of God that we've read today. I want you to allow God to speak to you. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you've never made that commitment, church, I want you to to know the freedom that we have in Jesus. I hear so many people coming up to me and saying, Pastor, I'm so, so concerned for what's taking place in our nation today. And I am too. But as I began this year fasting and praying, this is what God led me to. The answer isn't sitting down and trying to convert people in the way they think politically. The answer is introducing them to Jesus. That's the only hope for our nation. It's Jesus. In church, we're the body. If we're going to see people's lives transformed, then we have to say, Lord, make me a dynamic deliverer. Last week, I had credentialing interviews with the presbytery. We had 11 different candidates that were going through the process and two of the two the men were from our church and there were women and men both that were in those meetings and they were they were saying i want to be a dynamic deliverer and i don't say that because only a credentialed minister is called to do that because every one of us is called to do that but i was excited to see that god is Drawing people in their hearts that they say, I want to go wherever God sends me. It's not one of those things where you say, Lord, if you send me to Hawaii, I'll I'll do what you want me to do. It's saying, God, I'll go to the deepest, darkest jungle in Africa. I'll go to a place and live in a grass hut where there's no running water, no medical aid. Lord, I'll go to the northernmost village. Lord, I'll do whatever You want me to do. And for most of us, God's calling us to do it right here. Our nation, our friends, our family, they need dynamic deliverers. Join me today and say, Lord, just like Moses, I want to encounter with you and I want to be a dynamic deliverer. Whatever your need is today, we're here to pray for you. As Mitch and the worship team begin, just let God speak to your heart today. And respond to Him today. Whatever your need is, we want to pray for you.